Hello and welcome to another edition of the QPR podcast. We are, in fact, at the last one recorded in the studio because next week's one's going to be the big roadhouse. Literally a big roadhouse in Camden. Anyway, more about that later on. Um, joined by Ian McCulloch. Hello. You all right? Very well, thank you. Keep well? Yeah. Good man. The most positive QPR fan on earth. We'll soon <laughs> knock that out of him by the end of this podcast. Tom Birmingham, welcome. First appearance in the podcast. Thanks for having me. Were you just bored and just fancy coming on, or just did he drag you? Got the invite. Couldn't, couldn't think of a better way to spend a Tuesday. Oh, you can come on. You can't. <laughs> and of course, me old mucker, me old pal, me old drinking pal, me old everything, because we're at the age of our life, aren't we? Have you gone 50 yet? Uh, not quite, no. I'm oh, 50 in August. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need counselling. Anyway, Chris Charles. Welcome, Chris. Hi. You've been away, haven't you? I have. And you joined. Not in prison. No, no. You were away for the boxing, weren't you? Yeah. And uh, you met up with the New York lads, I saw. I did, yes. Good crack? It was very good crack, yeah. I, shall, I was going to thank them, name them in the R's end. Whoops. But uh, that's fine. Um, I can always think of another one. Uh, but, premature. But yeah, we had a bit of an exchange visit, because one of their mob was over with you, wasn't he? Yeah. One of the New York lads. Oh, yeah, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of... See, them sort of things through me, because I always think of school, even though I never went. Anyway... We're also joined on the phone by the magic hat himself, Kevin Gallen, making a rare appearance on the podcast. <laughs> you all right, Chris? Yes. <laughs> anyway, so, well, Chris, Saturday, talk me through it. Well, that sort of follows a pattern of previous games, really. I mean, we, we created enough chances, didn't take them. Uh, they scored a very good goal, Um I think the most, the, the biggest highlight was Jude's dancing at half time. That and Bobby Zamora ringing round all four sides of the ground. Um, mm, that was quite bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, it's just frustrating again. And, and just that penalty, Naki Wells. And as soon as he steps up, I can understand why he wanted to take it, try and redeem himself. But we've got, he's, you know, if I'd missed four penalties in a row, I'd start to begin to realise that maybe I'm not a penalty taker. That was number five he missed mm. in a row. Um, at least he's consistent. Yeah, <laughs> at least he is. You strive for that. And we've got a guy who was probably man of the match at left back who's been banging in penalties for fun when he was at Rotherham. So a bit of a strange decision. And if, if he'd have scored that, it would have been nice to have, you know, one more play of the goal music, but alas, not to be. Um, but yeah, all in all, not a great season. No, we'll come on to that a wee bit later on. Ian, Saturday. <clears throat> yeah, and basically pretty much what Chris said. It's um, been a microcosm of the season again, wasn't it? You know, We actually played all right in times on Saturday. But um, then another preventable goal. You know, you get, we missed 50% of our penalties this season. Uh, I didn't realise that stat about Wales. That's, yeah. that's quite incredible. Well, I, I got that from somewhere else, but um, I think that's true. So, that yeah, I mean, I guess from... It's kind of hard from, you know, Manning... To maybe go up to a senior pro and take the ball for the penalty, but perhaps he should have done. But their their keeper had a very good game. I mean, he's the world's biggest goalkeeper, and he made sort of massive, two or three he? amazing saves from from Hamid. And yeah, it's just um, another, <laughs> wasn't it? You know, Tom, welcome. By the way, thank you. Um, for me, Saturday it was it was. I, I didn't think we were that bad. Um, certainly compared to some recent home performances, if you can ignore the Swansea game, uh, I feel. 
that it was nice to see maybe seven people start that will be here next season. When mm-hmm. you compare to Bolton or Rotherham or even maybe the Stoke game, there were maybe eight players that won't be. Um, it's quite nice to see us playing without Freeman, assuming that he won't be here next season and uh, looking quite dangerous at times, uh, certainly in the first half, without him. But um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't there wasn't too much going on competitively and like Ian said, the goalkeeper for uh, for them is the difference. But yeah, I mean, it was it was nice to see it was nice to see Walker get a start. Um, it was certainly nice to see the back four look quite similar to how it should do next season. Um, maybe bar one centre half, but yeah, it was a bit of a nothing game. And uh, considering the last few performances, again ignoring Swansea um, that we've had at home, it wasn't the worst way I suppose to win the season. It's a strange one, though, isn't it? Because everyone's expectations were so low. Because this is why I disagree with many people. Because people say, "Oh, you know, our expectations were too high." I think when we did the podcast sort of season, we everyone just said, "Just avoid relegation. Just avoid relegation. Avoid relegation." And then you look at the chart that Jim Freelin put out the other day with wages and everything else on it. We're still quite high up there, and we, we seem to to me the season started off like we'll play the kids, we'll do this, we'll do that, bin the kids, quickly send them on loan, bring in, and then we had to get what was left in the loan market and. Um, is a shame it didn't work out for Naki Wills because I thought he was going to be a great player. Him and as well, I thought. And it's a lack of goals that I think skilled us. And sometimes the most kamikaze defending I've seen since we had um, Gus Caesar in the side. Where do you think we can improve next season, Ian? Oh, I think it's a bit of root and branch, really. There needs to be a big clear out of players, I think. Mm-hmm. Again. Um, you can't keep shipping in 60 odd goals a season. Expect to be we, we, we let in too many goals. Simple as that. It's we uh, let too many goals in last season. We let in too many goals the year before, and you know I won't be sorry to see the back of Lynch. Um, he came with oh, such a big reputation, though, didn't he? Did he though? He signed him from Huddersfield, and well, not yeah, Huddersfield fans. We signed him. Yeah, we like he was a decent player. You know, I, I, I do that. think in many kind of ways that other teams have a lower sense of expectation than what we do. And perhaps for them, he scored a few long range goals and scored a few headers from corners and that and. You know, I think we, we we're a, it's a tough club to play for QPR. Expectations often, but the expectations are, this season were low in. Yeah, but really I, no, but do you know what I mean? I think that you know he's from what I I got a friend of mine who's a Huddersfield fan, and but I sound talking to him, he he's played no different for us than he did for them. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. He's, he's, you know, he can't play on the turn. He, you know, he makes brainy decisions, but he'll occasionally pop up and score a goal from a corner, and you know he'll he'll turn in and have a reasonable game and that. But this he's. This left foot Hollywood balls he keeps trying to play out of defence and it just drives me mad. But these um, expectations you talk about, I mean, I get the start of the season, we all did say avoid relegation would be good, but the goalposts sort of moved a bit. Um, Boxing Day, we're eighth, two points off the mm. playoffs. So it's only natural for fans to be more disappointed. If, we, if we'd have been hovering around 19th, or if we'd been in the relegation zone all season and finished 19th, you'd say that was, you know, we did all right there. But. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think people were thinking, well, we've got a real shot of this. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, sorry, I, I was sort of miss, miss kind of... What I was trying to say was expectations about players where someone will look oh, at I it and go, oh, I think he's useless. But, you know, I remember talking to a Birmingham fan who said, you know, his dream would be to sign Matt Smith. He'd love Birmingham to sign Matt Smith. And I think Matt Smith's a terrible player, but it's beauty is the eye beholder. And for Birmingham City, expectations about a forward is very different to what a QPR fan's expectation was put forward. Does that make sense? Well, I think I think for me, where the season was going was we started with like building up Ezzy into being this, he's going to be the star performer, he's going to be, he's got the number 10 show, put way too much pressure on him. And of course, the fans brought into the hype. Like, during the last few weeks, the highlights in the QPR website have been a last chair. 
Yeah, well, he's doing it somewhere else. Mm. And we're doing it again. We never seem to learn. Just let the guys go and loan. Let the rest of the world talk about them. Let everyone else. But we should be focusing on our 11 and what we're doing. Because bring the lad back, everyone's going to think, yes, this is the lad to build a team around. And when it goes wrong, everyone starts getting confused. We've got to stop building players up too much height-wise. And... I think definitely with Eze, he was built massively. And whatever the lad did or didn't do, it was never going to be good enough because everyone thought, this is a lad that's going to change our, our season. And at times, he did do some mag- magnificent stuff. But what worried me, and I still can't get my head around it, is that dip in form. I just mm. can't get my head around it. You know, went to Forest, everyone's buzzing. You kind of, to, to do that was amazing. Everyone's kind of thinking, do you know what? Played Villa off the park, whatever that anyone says. Yep. And then just, what went wrong? I think it's hard, isn't it? Mm. I think I think the Birmingham game maybe was a bit of a turning point. I think I mean we were, the last time I came on here was in January, and I remember saying I'm. It's, not, it, it's nice to look up at the table instead of down. Mm. You know, been on since January. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, Tom, you know, you're looking at and you you know, let's not lie about it. Who double checked the, the dates of the player final and thought, oh no, I'm going to holiday that day. Can I change it? And, you know, we got to the fifth round of the cup and we're checking Wembley weekends and no, we were. I, I was, yeah, yeah um, May the 18th. I was like thinking, oh God, there's not going to be a boxing event on that night, you know. But um, it turns out there is anyway. But, <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, I was getting totally carried away. I mean, I always do this. I always get, get completely carried away. Um, That's a good en- thing. But it's great though, yeah. Old enough to know better, really. But um, it's the hope that kills you, as they mm. say. Isn't it? And going back That's to... the hopes that kill you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the title of the podcast. Um, Excellent. I think we might have had that one before, actually. Um, but I think with Eze, I mean, we did pick up an injury. And I think the thing with McLaren, he, the opposite to Holloway, who were just like, and Harry Redknapp, who'd have the, the Tom Bowler selection. Just, you know, Smith, Smith with the wide, have a great game and then drop for the next game. Like, that was always Mc- strange. Yeah, McLaren's sort of the opposite, and he rigidly stuck to these players. And and as he was just he played game after game after game after game, and I, I don't know, but I don't, I don't know whether that sort of ground him down a bit. I think that came to a head. I think uh, through February and somehow being in where we were in the FA Cup at that point, and having that that month of uh, of fixtures, it happened to a few of them. Um, my biggest problem with McLaren wasn't so much uh, not playing. Um, as he towards the end or overplaying him earlier in the season in general with the, with the young players I think that we did get carried away I was even checking the FA Cup final weekends uh, when, we, when we were drew against Watford yeah, exactly, um, yeah. and probably should have won that game but my issue more is that uh, McLaren his remit was to keep us up which he's done you know, we would have stayed up even if we'd have lost every game after he, after he went but his remit was to come in and develop the youth that I personally feel um, hasn't been met and that's why he was. That's why he was sacked. He was able to go out and spend a bit of money on Premier League or experienced pros on loan. Um, don't quite believe what the times are reporting uh, wages-wise, but they would have been quite high wages. And we're, no, they're pretty accurate. And well, that then, that makes it even worse because that they, they, they are stupidly high considering um, when we're looking at the fact that we've got eight or nine players out of contract and probably can't afford to sign many of them. Mm. and we're going to have to sell Freeman and maybe a couple of others. But the fact that these kids are out on loan, and it's great to see Chair tearing up League Two, and um, it's great to see Smith doing well at Accrington and, and, and alike. But they should be here now. We should have been safe by March, April at the latest, uh, early on. We should have had six games for them to all, all play every week, and it took too long for them to play bright regularly. I think the thing is, that the, the thing with the kids is, 
we did it the wrong way around. You know, to give them the first team debuts to make Smith Young Player of the Year, and sure, everyone who had an eye in their head could see there was something about Cher when he came on when he did play. There was something about him that if he just got a run of games, he could be quite good. And then a Manning as well, who scored at Villa and played some first team games, and then sent him out on loan to to lower league clubs and everything else, just must have killed him on the inside because if thinking yeah. them, whatever they say. You're playing for a, a proper football club at QPR. It's a big club. To make your debut, to get young player of the year, your head's going to be buzzing. You make, he made his Northern Ireland debut, he scored, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, right, you've got an actor to mate. You know, that's but, a bit... But, but at the same... Sorry, Chris. No, I was just going to say, I think uh, there's nothing wrong with sending out someone, though. I just think there was too many. It was just yeah. like... Um, but yeah. not after they made the first team debuts, Chris. Yeah. It's always when they... Before they get to the first team, I think. But I think when you get beat 7-1 at West Brom, you lose your first four games of the season and the whole crowd are chanting you to be sacked. Mm. It's only natural you're going to try and go. But, then that's, but, then that's but the thing is, though, because you can go one or two ways in pros with uh, young players. You put, I mean, we've seen it now. If we had a team full of Kakai's, Lumley's, Ezzy's, Bright's, Chairs, you've seen how players have kind of, as the season's gone on, they've sort of emptied out a little bit. Well, you can't play a whole team of kids because you will. Exactly. Get, you know, so, you have and to then, get the and then if, you, if you're playing, you've got Manning and Chair, and that, so who, do you, who are you leaving out? Freeman, Luongo, Scow, and. Well, so it's, saying, better, it's better for them to go out. It's much better for them to go out. We could have had them the season this year and finished 11th, or they could go and they could have been bit part players, or they could go on to Stevenage, whoever, be the main man from January, and they're going to come back, start next season, buzzing because they've. They, well, we did it with Ezzy. Exactly, and it worked. To a certain degree. It, well, it did work because at the start of the season, he came back, he was, he was full of confidence and he was doing very well. And then we killed a, him. Well, he, he played too many games or what have you. He, who knows? But. I remember sort of being a bit wise after the event here because if we, if by some miracle we were in the playoffs now, nobody'd be talking about why we, why we weren't playing the kids, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the other thing is, surely it's not McLaren's, just solely McLaren's job to say, right, I need to bring this somebody upstairs who's got to say, hang on a second, you, all right, you can bring two in, but you can't bring. You know, your whole objective is to play the kids uh, as, as, alongside some of the more seasoned pros as well. But it doesn't seem, it seemed like McLaren just said, panic said, I need this, and they just said, all right then. But you, but you can't say this again. Playing devil's advocate, the season pros that came in, Rangel was excellent when he played. Yeah, absolutely. Cameron yeah, was yeah. excellent before he yeah. got injured. Wells, before he, his form took a dip, was excellent. Yeah, well, so, that's what I'm saying. Being wise after you, the you event, need yeah. to have that. You need to have. Well, Hebbard was was brutally bad until he scored a couple of goals. He um, started off well, though. Got injured and wasn't fit. Yeah, but he, you know, you're looking for you know, two. Yeah, I know. The, yeah. the, tr- the trouble is, you're looking for more for your loans, and, mm. and I don't think we used that loan market well because we got season pros in. I mean, maybe we should have got. Hungry, different types of players. I don't know if you're going to play Premiership wages to get a return of like less than twelve goals, thirteen goals. It's just like. But really? do you really want to go down the, the avenue of um, Derby and signing three or four Chelsea loanees to develop their players? Well, no, but and I paying think... Chelsea. I mean, them, them loanee, loans from Chelsea aren't going to Derby because I would Lampard's really t- a manager. Well, that's pay- all right because they, paying- sold, they sold their ground to themselves, so they can yeah. Pay for but them. they're they're paying like. Big money, loan fees plus yeah. wages to have them. But we're still we, though. We're, we're still... not, we're not, we're not paying up. We, this is one thing I do know about what Penrose yeah, okay. did. When I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but I know for a fact that um, they wanted to sign Wells and Hemed before the, the um, window closed. And Burnley wanted a million loan fee for Wells and Brighton wanted 1.5 for Brighton. Mm. And they weren't going to pay it. And then Brighton dropped the fee, dropped the, to a million. And they were going to pay it. And Gary Penrose said, don't leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. Right to the end, give it another week. And then we'll get 7-1. We lose 3-0 to Sheffield United. Leave it, leave it, leave it. And then they got them for free. 
No loan free, free got them loan free, and it was just paying the wages. And the wages are high, but you're not paying a loan. I mean, if you'd have paid 1.5 million plus oh, yes. another million in wages, so it, it's all kind of apples and oranges, isn't it? it it's it's 135,000 a week is what's been reported is a lot for lawn players in the championship. If you've got three players, that's 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 not a team struggling financially. And I and I the, the problem with that that's obviously saying that's very high wages. But why was it why was it left till then if you had that money free? If there were there was that money available, I mean, he's done very well this year um, at Luton. But somebody like Sonny Bradley, I was talking about last year when he was at Argyle, and saying this guy is brilliant. Mm. He'll be Good a championship show. player. Mm. And if we'd have got him. He left Plymouth on the free. Went to Luton. He's now probably the best centre half in League yeah. One. There are players out there, and yeah. if Penrise is doing his job, why are we sniffing around the likes of Wells that hasn't played for a year? And Hemed, okay, to be fair, did very well at Brighton in the Championship, but didn't play last season in the Premier League. And I just feel that the money's still even after all our lessons learned and lessons learned and lessons learned, it's still... It reminded me a bit of when you know, Fernandez bought the club and, and, and suddenly Warnock was given X amount to spend and he went out and bought a lot of names that were obviously not comparable to these, but in, in the sense of the market we were in, where we ended up overpaying for players. And if that money was available the whole summer, I'm disappointed in the fact that, you know, Penrose, that there are certainly fans, even on, on the internet or wherever, that could probably tell you mm. that there's six, seven players that would be cheaper and as good. Or Again, how true it is, I don't know. But yeah. there was a list of players that Penrose had. And McLaren said, I don't know who they are. I'm not going to sign players. I don't know who they are. So I don't know. I'm not privy. To, I don't who know. ultimately is it down to? So did McLaren? Did he have the manager? The, the manager, the, the manager has. I mean, they'll have a list of players, and the manager says, oh, "I'll have him. I'll have him. I'll have no, him." But what I mean is, so Les Ferdinand can't say, or should he not say, "No, you're not having him. You're not having him." But then it falls in that whole parameters of the, who's picking the team, the director of football. And well, no, he's not picking the team, but he's helping. Well, yeah, so they're going to have a director of football. A manager, they'll give a list of players and say, who do you, who do you like? We can afford him. This is this. And he said, I don't want any of them. So, what, mm. what so you, therein lies the issue. How, why is McLaren saying that? He must have known this. But what, is, it, what is the role of a director of football then in a championship club? To oversee the, the whole football side of it, not just the first team. So. Okay, but he's involved in the first team. Even Nes would say that he does have a huge say in the first team. He doesn't pick a team. But he has a huge say on what players come in. Yeah. He works a penny, and they 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 target people. So he does have a say in the first. He team. does have a say in the first. So, team. but ultimately, if the manager decides, yeah. the manager gets the final say, yes or no, sign the player. I'm just wondering if we're slightly overstaffed for a championship club. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what the staffs are like at other championship clubs. Mm. I really don't know. Definitely I think a lot was made about how many people were on the bench. Well, there's no more people on the bench than there were last year. Well, it's a stand as well. It's it? not, is there? You think about it. Last year on the bench, we had Curtis Fleming, Mark Bircham, Ian Holloway. There's no, there's no more people on the bench. Than Seems to be a lot more green jackets covering it, around. Yeah, green, it's yeah. green. It sticks out, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's certainly no more people on the bench than there I don't know if you heard it. It was an interesting interview with um, Stuart Weber, who was the sporting director at Norwich um, last night on the radio I listened to. And he said he, he took over two years ago. Club was in a mess, like, you know, familiar story. Um, and he basically said he, he, they, they lost their three of their first six opening games of the season. They were struggling, mm. but they identified that, that, that you know, they, they was, there was calls for them to sign in big money players, mm. big names. But he basically refuted that and said, no, this, you know, we'll stick with it. It's going somewhere. Got rid of a lot of the deadwood, the older players, and their, their remit was to, was to stick with the younger players. And yeah, they look but remember, something. they got an awful lot of money for uh, Madison as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, someone comes and signs. When you play for twenty million, it makes life a whole lot, hell of a lot. Yeah, that's it? true. Well, we had money. Yeah. We've had parachute money. We've had money for Sterling. That he went back and on. We've had money. We just 
absolutely wasted it. Yeah, I have done. argue with it. And have done since we dropped out of the Premiership. So every time we say lesson learned, like all summer, lessons learned, lessons learned, lessons learned, we go and get three Premiership players and top wages. And you're kind of thinking, you're just doing it again. You know, good point what you were saying about skirting the lower divisions. I mean, we got Paul Smith from the Irish League. Um, everyone, everyone was, yeah, right, Samuel came in. There is play- you're right. There's players out there. Players out there. I mean, it's- there's loads. I mean, but you don't. But also, you don't want to go down the, the trap that Ipswich went down, and you you hire a manager who did well in League One and just signed loads and loads of League One players, and no, they're Ipswich, not they're not good enough. Ipswich's problem was that they didn't realise that Mick McCarthy was doing an impossible job, and they wanted to finish higher and higher and higher. They hit it. Mick McCarthy style of football. They got a new manager and got really good at. They probably still don't miss McCarthy, but there's there's issues at that club. I mean, there obviously there's dud League One and League Two signs out there. We made them. Connor Washington never lived up to the hype that we were hoping mm. he would, and, mm. and Wheeler so far has struggled. Gladwin, Gladwin, and, and and Brentford have a habit of making the better choice when the, the players are out there. But mm. if you're going to make those mistakes, I'd rather make the mistakes for what you pay a League One or Two player rather than go abroad and sign in the Koto or. Well, you Silla say that Norwich got that lad from third division in Germany. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're out there. Vardy was signed for a million quid from. Yeah, but everyone was after Vardy. This is the thing. Yeah. There are I, players. I do often wonder, and we're, we're going to talk to Kevin in a second when he does scout. We'll find out. You do wonder, like, how many scouts are watching every player? I bet you there's about thirteen or fourteen mm. scouts watching Vardy, but just one was brave enough to make the call mm. because the exact reason is it's a million quid, but you get it wrong, you're going to yeah. get absolute bollocked. And he'd been at Sheffield Wednesday yeah. as well as a junior, so he, he, he was known. Apparently, about. his attitude was all wrong. Yeah, but yeah. you know, the, but they're laughing now. I mean, you know, despite the, it's, it's just like we had a conversation on the phone, and you made a good point. Like, look at Arsenal, let Harry Kane go. Do you know what I mean? People do make mistakes, but we just don't seem to be, for whatever reason, recently getting it right. I mean, it's like Furs. I think Furs is a great young player, but we're squeezing the confidence out of him sometimes, and I think he's a better centre half. Yeah. Um, Leicester is a great centre half again under pressure it just seems that I mean even Lumley who's had so many clean sheets but people still question him I don't know how you can question some of this he's young he will make mistakes you know we get, we're, people are in the championship for the reason you know if they were that much better they go straight into the Premier League well, look at Daya. I mean yeah, he's not exactly mm. covering himself just, at the moment I think what he said is give me fucking money lads yeah, because yeah, otherwise yeah. we're just going to keep throwing it in the yeah, back of the net yeah. There's no excuse for that. But Norwich, that, that Timu Puki, I don't know how much he cost. I mean, he's got like, tw- 29 goals this season. He, um, what, he'd Norwich? been at Rangers in Scotland as well, Sorry. so he was known. Okay. Really? Yeah, but he didn't yeah, come yeah. from there, did he? Where no, he came he? from Brombo in Denmark. That's right, yeah. But he played in Scotland, so he wasn't a complete kind of nobody that was signed. But they. But again, why weren't we looking at him? Or well, they, they, they got him on a free, but I imagine his wages aren't, you know, they wouldn't be kind of... Nanky Wells' wages, but they wouldn't be. I mean, I know you don't sign when someone expects them to sign 29 goals a season, but that is clearly what we are lacking, and that's clearly what we need to get. If we but had then, someone like that, we'd put them in goal. <laughs> there's, you know? there's so many examples out of them. McGoldrick at Ipswich, leaving Ipswich. Uh, I don't think we'd have touched him. I, and he's gone really? on at Sheffield United, and he was brilliant. And I, I was saying last summer, McGoldrick, his wages won't be massive. He was at Ipswich. He's... You know, he's an international, he's, he's, he's scored goals in the Championship. He would have been worth a punt. And certainly when you're getting down to the... After we lost the first couple and certainly West Brom, he was still available. How, how are we not looking at the, the likes of that? And my problem is you can give a manager... You can tell a manager, right, there's, there's, there's no money to spend. We, we all knew the situation, certainly going into this summer. We know the situation with mm. money. But is it, up, is it the manager's fault then? If, he, if we have, you know, Penrice and others, that we have this scouting network, then they're, they're being... McLaren perhaps was told, look, they'll go out, they'll give you the list and you pick. But whose fault was it then? Who do you hold accountable? Because McLaren's one that's gone. Mm. But, 
you know, we talk about the role of the director of football or the role of the scouting network. They haven't been held accountable for. Well, that's exactly what I was saying. Years, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, basically, they McLaren can say who he wants, but they can just turn around and say, "No, you can't. We can't afford it." If he's on the walks, yeah, yeah. Personally, from the outside looking in, I have no more knowledge than anybody else. None of us have. That's a good thing about having an independent podcast. Is that it looked to me like McLaren not deliberately played the kids to get beat, but after that West Brom match was like, well, either you want me to play the kids, which I'm happy to do, but this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So you need to be aware of that. And the club probably went, especially with Tony being the way Tony is, I don't want any more shade. Um, Jesus, use it. here's a parachute money. Go, go spend. It does. It does smack of a bit of a Tony decision. That one, I must admit. But I mean. Well, we, we don't know that, but... No, know, I, I've got no idea, but, but I'm just saying. You know, it's quite interesting, because I, I, was, I was on Facebook the other day, and people seem to think we know a lot more than what we do, and we burn news the club, and we, we get told everything we don't tell anyone. But the reality is that our engineer is trying to take off. You're right there. Right. Um, oh, he wants to watch the Spurs match. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of one of them things where the accountability is true. Now, we're going to speak to Kevin Gallon now, and we'll see what he thinks. Right, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday evening when I'm sure you've got lots of things to be doing. Um, did you see the game Saturday? Have you seen any recent QPR games? Uh, yes, I have saw the last two home games. Thoughts? Uh, <laughs> not great. <laughs> not great at all. Um, yeah, I think uh, we didn't... Uh, the Blackburn game was... Yeah, I thought they were just a better. They were better. They were better. Better on the day. They looked like they had um, sort of a way, a structure of playing, and, and and we didn't really, and we didn't really get going at all. And they, and I think they deserved to win, and uh, I think they were good for their victory. Yeah, so, unfortunately. So scouting wise, Kevin, for next season, what should QPR be looking for? What can improve this team? Well, I think uh, there's uh, problems throughout the whole team. Um, obviously, the the three is it the three lads? Uh, probably four uh, uh, the lads who came in, the experienced lads who came in at the end of the, at the start of the season won't be there because whether they deserve to be there that's uh, that's that's up for debate. But also um, the wages that they command, especially the loan players, um, I don't think they'll be there next season considering where we are financially and from what everyone says, cutting the budget massively, maybe by nearly a half from what I'm, from what um, people are saying. So I don't think we can afford those players, whether or not they deserve or they should be uh, back at QPR. Well, that's, a, that's another question. Um, so going forward, uh, I think they're going to have to play the loan market with maybe younger players from um, Premier League academies who um, need experience. Sort of the, the way, um, you know, um, Derby have done well with a couple of players from one from Chelsea, one from uh, Liverpool. Players sort of like that from uh, Category 1 um, teams. You know, unfortunately to say, but Chelsea have got a, a really good youth set up and they've got a lot of players on loan. So QPR need to go down that road because we just haven't got the money that we have had over the past seven, eight, ten years. Uh, Kev, how you doing, mate? Good. <clears throat> Last Thank time you. I saw you was on train to Millwall when you got in a packed carriage of QPR fans and I was counting, yeah. down, 
Counting down how long it would take for the Magic Hat uh, song to ring out. Five seconds, I think it was. And we were all yeah, very super. Right. Yeah, that was good. That was good fun, actually. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It was a good laugh. It must be good, um, like, like years after you've finished playing for QPR, to get on a train and still have your name ringing around the carriage. Yeah, that was good, actually. It was nice because a lot of those uh, lads who were singing it, they weren't, uh, they weren't very old. So uh, <laughs> I haven't played for QPR for, well, I, I left QPR in 2007, so that's 12 years ago. Good and Lord. I think those lads must have been uh, eight to ten, ten years old when I when I last played. So yeah, it's nice to it's nice to hear always that um, that people still remember me. So yeah, I, I chatted to a few of the lads. It was uh, it was quite good. Uh, I think they they had a couple of drinks <laughs> and uh, and they were enjoying themselves. And I'm sure you were stone cold sober yourself, Kevin. <laughs> I was, yeah. Good man, good man. <laughs> Yeah, I'd I, I, I take that at my age, people singing my name around the carriage, but that's unlikely to happen. Um, I was just going to say, the players that are out of contract, Kev, um, about which ones you get rid of and which ones you keep, I think the list, of, if I've got it right, is, is Bibwell, Sholek, Lynch, Hall, Cousins, Shadipo, Furlong and, and Rangel, I guess. Not Furlong, OK, uh, and Rangel. OK, so the, 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 with um, the situation with the money now... Um, I would say Bidwell it was a one point whatever seven one point five million pound signing a few years ago. Then he's going to be on that sort of wages. So I would say Bidwell's on between thirteen to fifteen thousand pound a week. Do I think he should be resigned for that? No, not one bit. Because I think you can get a player from League One on the similar sort of uh, ability on five six grand a week. Yeah. So. On that, on, on, and that goes with a lot of the players, Sholak as well. They're on big money, and I don't think they they uh, play. They don't um, play the way they they're, they're getting big money, but they're not the performances are not big money performances. And I think you can get a similar player in uh, the lower uh, in maybe the championship, the lower ends of the championship, and uh, in League One, who um, will be of the same ability and for maybe a fraction of that cost. So that's where I think QPR have gone um uh, I've gone wrong over the years in the last few years um of is when we buy players we buy players and I'm not saying they're not bad they're not good players and, and I'm not saying they're bad players but they're not deserving of that sort of money. So if you have if you give someone say 20 grand a week yeah. well, you can get the same sort of player for 7 grand a week. So that's where we, I think QPR have gone wrong, and, and I've sort of said this before. And I hear the, you know, the, um, the club talking about a new stadium, and we're not sustainable in Loftus Road. This, that, and the other. Well, we're not sustainable giving twenty grand a week to players who only should be on sevens or maximum. That's yeah. not sustainable in any business, and no sell-on. That's not sustainable. Not moving grounds or something. If you keep buying high and selling for nothing, I mean the Connor Washington situation, we buy him for three and a half million and we let him go for free in the summer. Yeah. That's not sustainable. Okay, so what about what about um, say Grant Hall? Do you think he's going to be on those sort of wages as well? And would I'm you sure keep him is. on? Yeah. And is his, is his contract up? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's well, then I, I would maybe keep him, but on reduced wages. Yeah. Now, whether or not he will accept that, that's up. That's that's for him to decide. But for QPR, with the budget they're saying, then we cannot afford to have players, and especially and unfortunately for Grant Hall, he hasn't been fit for for a good you know eighteen months. I know he come back, but he's injured again. But 
the most of last season and this season he's been injured. So that's sort of dead money and we have to get, unfortunately in the current situation we're in, we need players who are going to play regular and who are battle-hardened for the championship to play week in, week out. Hi Kevin, see you here. How difficult is it to find that sort of player that's, I feel like a senior pro? Because you feel a championship team full of kids that they may be good enough, they may not be good enough. No, I agree. I agree. That's the that's the situation the QPR in, and it is a tough situation for the, whatever manager that comes in. They have to uh, realise that they're probably going to have to, the budget slashed by nearly a half, and they have to go and find players who, you know, probably younger players who are inexperienced, and the and the young players that we have got are very, uh, you know, the ones who are out on loan. And they're out on loan in League One and League Two teams. They've got no experience of playing in the Championship. <clears throat> and if they're going to bring young players in uh, on loan from Premiership clubs, you know, that might be their first season in the Championship. So it's tough. And then you might have to go and get a few senior players as well to sort of, you know, to, to guide those young lads through. So it, it is a massive and tough job for anyone who takes it on. Just on the back, hi, Kev, it's Tom. Just uh, on the back of that, when it comes to the next appointment, um, it very much feels that we're, we're constantly papering, papering sorry, over the cracks. And you know, we gave McLaren a two-year deal and it didn't work out after one. And, and Holloway only had a year left when, when, when he left. So the next appointment now, I don't think anybody's um, denying the fact that it's going to be a horrendously difficult job. But do, are we hiring somebody now that's looking to build... You know, get through the next season and build for the next two or three after and, and follow the Norwiches and the, the Sheffield Uniteds of this world? Or is it very much a kind of continue to put out fire for, for next season and, and then we'll, we'll, re, we'll reconfigure then? Because the, the problem that I, I'm having at the moment is when we look at the, the people on the shortlist or, or being discussed is, is this a long-term decision or is this very much keeps up next year and we'll, we'll, we'll look again in the summer? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, I think when every time... Um... QPR hire a manager. I don't think they they're thinking, oh well, we'll just keep him for a year. This that, and the other. That results dictate whether managers stay in a job. I mean, McLaren. If you just talked about McLaren in December, everyone would think he would have been definitely here next season. But <clears throat> a disastrous run of results in 2019 sealed his fate, and he and he got the sack. So the next manager that comes in, you know. I'm sure that the, the board are thinking, well, you know, we want to keep this manager for two or three years because the turnovers of managers cost a lot of money. And I heard, um, I think Ian Holloway say on the radio a month ago that QPR is still paying him. Mm-hmm. Well, they're still paying him. We're probably still paying Steve McLaren for next year as well. And this so time this next year, we'll still be buying... money going down the drain. So I don't think QPR are thinking, well, this is just for a year. But unfortunately, in... In football and especially, you know, uh, the championship and um, all the other leagues, results dictate everything. And once the crowd turns on you, it's hard to get that to get that back. Mm. You know, once the crowd turns on you, so maybe QPR fans might need to be a little bit patient next season because of the situation we're in. But it's going to be difficult because people turn up on a Saturday at three o'clock and they want to see entertainment and they want to see wins. That's, I would say, 99% of all QPR fans. They don't really care about what's going on behind the scenes. They want to be three o'clock 
entertained and win um, and see three points. So it's it's a difficult situation. So there's no way I the QPR just think, oh, we're going to have this manager for a year and then we'll get someone else in. It, it don't really work like that. If you're winning games and you're entertaining the fans and the fans are happy and everyone's happy, they keep their job. If they lose games, you lose your job. It's as simple as that. Kevin, just wondering how you play QPR for a very long time. How It's obviously a great, lots of times a great stadium when it's full and the team's winning, but how difficult is it when the team's not winning and you know you can hear every word from the crowd? And is it a difficult place to play if you're a player at a team that's not doing very well? Well, I mean, I, I've been to the last uh, two games, and I have to say, I, I thought I've been in a situation. I played in front of team, uh, crowds where I got a lot more stick. I think, and, and this is this is a bit of a problem for QPR, as in this season in general. The Blackburn game and the Norwich game, it was it was sort of a resignation of, oh, we're going to lose again. And no one really cared. I know they did in the, end, in the end, but there was no booing, really. There was no, like, anyone going crackers in, in the stadium and effing and blinding and, and slaughtering. It was just, it was all a bit subdued. And it was just like, oh, we've lost again. Oh, we'll go home. Um, I think that the big thing for me from Saturday is, when the players went for the lap of honour, that the crowd walked out, and I mean that was, I think there was fifteen thousand there, and I would say there was about eight hundred to a thousand people left in the Jesus. in the ground. So that 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 would have sort of uh, stuck with the players a little bit, you know, because I remember doing lap of honours after the after seasons, and usually most of the fans always stayed. So that was a bit of um, what can I say? That was a bit of a kicking the kicking the teeth for the players. Well, I mean, and there wasn't even a pitch. I have to say, I don't blame the, the fans one bit. The, th- the thing is, Kev, if you were on an independent um, radio show, which this isn't, it's not a radio show, and yeah. they said to you, in the scheme of things in the championship, did QPR underachieve? What would your answer be? Well, because I sort of I work in football and and I've been in football all my life, and people always talk about you know the budgets and, and I speak to other teams and I spoke to the assistant manager of Rotherham the other day and I said hard luck and I said it was a hard it was an uphill battle to stay up and he, he said he said well Kevin our budget was five million for the year. He said your team, QPR's was twenty three to twenty five million. Jesus. So <laughs> that's what he said to me and I was like, okay, so now you've got to put things in perspective. Mm. Jesus. That's how yeah. I look at it, and it's all relative, and you've got to put things in perspective. If QPR's budget is that much, it shouldn't. We shouldn't. We've underachieved. Mm. Wow, that's a sad reality, I suppose. Kev, just so from, from, it's from, like you know, Man United's got the biggest budget in the Premiership. They're miles away. Uh, Man United as a club underachieved. Of course they are. They're spending the most money, and they're fifth or sixth. So they're underachieving. So, so I, I look. I know it's. Fans don't really look at budgets, and I, I sort of do because when you're in football and you say, "Oh, we want to sign this player," well, we can't afford it, but we can. Another team can. They should be higher if they're if they're spending ten million more a season. They should be better than the team who's not spending that ten million. Do you understand? They've got. Mm, yeah. They should get a better class of player, a better player. Kev, I uh, just wanted to end on a, 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 a more positive note. Um, we're playing Sheffield Wednesday away, last game of the season. Just wanted to take yeah. you back to 2004 and another special game at Hillsborough. Um, just yeah. just a couple of your memories from that day. 
Yeah, I mean, it all ended. It all ended great, I have to say. But there was, I've said it to many QBR. It's a lot of pressure on that day. The memories of um, of going out and just turning as we ran. Well, I was captain that day, so it was brilliant. So I ran out to the left, and I just see the QPR end, and it was the they had the bottom half, the top half, and it was absolutely packed so we had the support that day and we were like you know we had that and we was thinking we can't let these let these people down and and I remember there was a beam back down at Loftus Road and there was a few thousand there so this was a massive game I just remember a lot of pressure uh you know Sheffield Wednesday the, you you play a team that hasn't really uh, hasn't really got anything to play for they've got no pressure on them and it can be difficult because they play with a bit of freedom I just remember my goal uh, a bit of relief because I remember the Bristol City score came up on the board, which I always thought was bang out of order yeah, by them. They should never have done that. Yeah. So there was a bit of pressure when they scored. You're like looking up and you're hearing, and you hear the Sheffield Wednesday fans cheering, and you're like, you know, oh God, we got to do something. Fortunately, I scored. Uh, then we went in at half time, and then first scored a great goal, and then they got one back. And to be fair to them, they they put us under a lot of pressure. And I have to say, you know, it gets a bit of stick at QPR, but Matthew Rose put in some great last-ditch mm. tackles from about five yards out, slide tackles. Was it a contract year? You know, if he if he hadn't if he hadn't done, he probably would have scored, and it would have been two-two, and you don't know what happens. Yeah. Then we uh, then we got the third, and it was just you know sort of you know hold not holding out. We were quite comfortable in that third one. We were quite comfortable, and I just remember the you know the the sheer relief and joy and the running to the uh, went inside, and then we came out again and celebrated with the fans all. I will never forget that. It was an um, absolutely tremendous day and probably one of my best in football of my whole career. Yeah, well, you threw your boots into the crowd and, and I just had yeah, my hand... I wish, you know what, I wish I still had them. Really? Well, I, I could... <laughs> yeah. if, if some bloke next to me hadn't nudged me out of the way, I could have given it back to you, mate, because uh, I, I had it in my grasp and, uh, yeah, we had a big row, but in the end it was all sorted out and he, I let him have it, but look, the boot, okay. I mean, not the... It's a uh, bit, yeah, yeah, right, and you lost. And I, gave my short, I gave my shorts away as well. To Did you? Band. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So how, how was the journey back? Did you come back on the bus or the train or... Yeah, we all. I just remember we all went back on the on the on the bus. I think we know. I, I, we literally got inside the changing room. I think um, me, I think me, Gareth Angel, Tony Fort. We got. We must have get showered and changed in record time because we went straight into the players' bar, and uh, we had a good laugh in there. We was like there for an hour, and then we finally got on the bus, and it was just a party all the way down. It was yeah, it was absolute tremendous. Um, it was a. You just wish all those long journeys back from the north were, were went as quick as that because we were having such a great time. And when we got back to the wherever we were going, we was actually gutted to get off the off the um, off the off the coach. So we had a really good laugh. Yeah, I bet you were. Who was the most drunk? I think everyone, not Clark Carlisle, anyway. Oh, Ooh. no, what? he weren't allowed. He weren't drinking then. Well, I felt it, sorry for him. I felt sorry for him because we were all drinking. And he just sort of literally sat there oh, looking at us. Oh. I'm not surprised. Well, I'm sure he, he felt proud in his performance. Kevin, before you go, I'd like to thank you for everything you've done for the podcast. <laughs> You're an absolute legend. Now, we might be seeing you next week at the live one. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that during the week. But um, When is it? When is it? It's uh, next Wednesday. May the 8th. Next Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. We'll see. All right, big man. And... Uh, Thanks for everything, big, and thanks for all the, the coming on the podcast all season. You've been fantastic, and uh, yep, yeah, and uh, it's nice to know, by the way, that you're um, you, you, you still keep yourself nice and fit and healthy. I've seen you down Rangers the other day. You're looking great. Thank you, Paul. 
pleasure. More than welcome. <laughs> you taking the piss? Absolutely. <laughs> See you, big man. Cheers, Kev. Thank See you, Kev. Care. Take care. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers mate. Bye, bye. Of course, I'm not taking the piss. <laughs> um, well, I remember that day, though, getting back from... I went to the Bush Ranger when it was a pub, not the stinging nettle or whatever else it turned into, and with Nick Blackburn's daughter, everyone taking it in turns to leave... Uh, obscene chance uh, on her dad's message uh, answer phone excellent happy days proper football club mm. but um, right we've got to rack this up quickly so I'm going to go on to uh, just quickly sum the season up in a sentence in sadness doesn't work um, I'll go flat to deceive you're not called in uh-huh. Tom? It's so disappointing. It really is. Oh, really? Yeah, it just... Um, it was a, they call it a game of two halves. It's been a season of two halves, hasn't it? Well, season three... Well, bad start, the middle was all yeah. right. The end was terrible. Some yeah. of it wasn't so bad as the others. But yeah, that's a sad thing. The hopes... When the hopes got off the floor and we started winning games, I, I, I was in cloud nine and it was sad that we couldn't keep that going. Tom? Thank God it's over. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Or the normal uh, club's kind of messaging of, we go again. And, uh, yeah, thank God it's over. And hopefully next will be better. I must say this year that I've had three of the best away days I've ever had. (laughs) Which ones? Portsmouth was a great away day. Yeah, yeah, that was good, yeah. Forest away was one of the greatest of all time. And um, had a great random away day at Ipswich, which um, we won there as well. It was... um, Was that our only double? And uh, and I've seen this win at Reading as well. So I've, I've been... You've been blessed, really. Been, the way the way form's been, well, it was good until Christmas, wasn't it? It's just what it, it's just what I would say is that my my thing for the season, as I'm asking myself, is just a big question mark, which is what was that about? <laughs> you know, and um, hopefully next season we can improve and we can. I would like the club and every club to stop bullshit fans. Just tell the truth. When things are going well, stop saying, oh, do you know what? Things are perfect behind the scenes. They're getting better. It's the best this. It's the best this. It's the best that. Just keep it nice and calm and go with it. And when we lose, we don't have the fallout that we have because everyone's been told this is the best season we're ever going to have. And just We've been over bullshit for years. And then now we're being told, no, we've got no money. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. FFP. Just keep it steady and focus on what we do with the community focus if we are going to develop kids stick with it get a plan get a manager stick with it stop sacking people well, that's what I'm saying that's what Norwich did I mean they could have they could have hit the panic button after six games but um... and maybe they would after seven Chris you don't know no. I mean it's, it's all very well for Norwich oh look how clever we are well, of really course they, they, they came to Loftus Road and we rolled over and died they got a 1-0 win and he kept his job so. we should be a charity <laughs> <laughs> um, just before we get to the R's end, can I just read out the current favourites from the manager's job and just everyone say yep. Sure. Who's theirs is. So we've got Darren Moore, Mark Warburton, Gareth Ainsworth, Tim Sherwood, John Eustace, Mark Bircham, Kenny Jacket, Lee Boyer are the, are the random two at the bottom there. Who, who would you, out of those, if any, who would you go for? Kenny Jacket. You go Kenny Jacket. If he's available, assuming he's Portsmouth go up and he's not available, who would you He'd go still for? come to QPR. Yeah? yeah, we've still got to pay Portsmouth compo. And no, not necessarily. It depends what's in this deal. Yeah, maybe. Let's face it, we've paid everyone else for doing nothing. Um, I'm not as anti Sherwood as many people, but my first choice would be probably Warburton. Yeah, um, I thought Sherwood ruled himself out. Uh, apparently, yeah, it depends. Who you are. It's, yeah. I, 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 I could tend turn down to, my dad work manager, but there you go. Well, I tend to believe what Dave McIntyre writes more than the even standard writes. So, 
I like Dave, even though he takes a piss out of me on Twitter. But um, but anyway, but the point the point is, uh, well, and he's, um, I did a very good job at Brentford. He was sacked. I know a few Forest fans, and they were very kind of puzzled that he got the boot at Forest when he did. Um, his teams always seem to beat our teams and playing nice football. Um, he's experienced in managing a, a huge club like um, Glasgow Rangers. Um, he knows the division. He probably knows our players. Mm. Whether he take the job, I don't know. But um, he'd probably be... He's been interviewed twice, so it sounds like he's interested. Yeah, I mean, I imagine there'd be three, four hundred people want to put the names in for the job. Yeah. It's still a good job. It's a London club. It's still a big name in football. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see someone that probably isn't in work at the minute, so we haven't got to pay out compensation to other clubs for them. Well, if they're not in work, there's a reason for that. Yeah, doesn't mean they're a bad manager, though, does it? Very true. Tom? Out of that list, uh, since the job became available, I was very much um, backing Mark Warburton. Um, I, w- I wouldn't mind having a, um, if we're going to have a, a bit of a punt on, on Lee Bowyer. Yeah. I think we've done at Charlton's nothing short of remarkable and arguably at a club that's you know, more controversial, worse behind the scenes than ours with, with, with no money and he's done a great job. But I think, um, as Ian was saying, for the, the context and the situation we're in, it is Warburton. Um, I'm amazed that anybody would want this job at the moment, if I'm honest. I, I can't see anybody that's up and coming wanting to hang their hat on Queen's Park Rangers. And it feels very much like a last chance saloon. It did for McLaren. It did for Holloway. Um, it, it, it's, it's a great club. Um, and there are so many people that, that it means so much to. And, you know, I'm still of the opinion that you'd be, you'd be lucky and you can become a... a a legend at Queen's Park Rangers and means so much to so many people without really having to be that successful at all. It doesn't take a lot to be deemed um, a legend or successful uh, QPR, but then it equally doesn't take a lot to be disregarded and, and, and hated. But it is a horrendously difficult job this summer. I feel that we are very much lying and waiting for the rest of the league to catch up in terms of FFP and looking what else is going on. We had a bit of a head start in the sense that we, we saw the issues coming and we were affected by it before others. But equally, we went way, way too far past past the, the point of return and it's taking a long time to come back. So QPR are a fantastic project for a young manager. They're equally a, a, a great opportunity for a manager that maybe needs to come back and prove himself. McLaren couldn't do it. And I think that, therefore, the setup is perfect for Warburton to really... You know, get his name back out there and, and, and have to, hopefully two or three years at QPR, get them out of this turmoil, get us back up into the top half of the league and then hopefully, you know, for him as well, there's a bigger club that can come in and say, right, well, you've done that at QPR in impossible circumstances, so there you go. So there's, it does work for both parties, um, but him will bow you for me. Uh, I, I, sorry, just onto, onto that as well. Yeah. I, I look at Blackburn, what a basket case they were when they went down two years ago and they bring in a, you know, a sensible manager like Tony Mowbray level-headed, calm, tries to play good football. And I was really impressed with Blackburn when they beat us a few weeks ago. Just They were, they were smarter than us. They knew what they were doing. And um, if we can get someone off that ilk, you know, an experienced manager, but that's sort of not... That makes you're not a... an inferno waiting to go off, someone that's calm, someone that just sort of, you know, appreciates the situation... But this is a great job. This is a really good job. I don't care what people say. It's a London club. It's got a big name in football. People around the world. I lived in Australia for 10 years. QPR is, a, is well known around the world. You know, there's a lot of international support. And, you know, anyone who gets a job should be proud to have the job. And I think th- there are people that want the job. But it's, it's going to be a very tough job. But as Tom says, you know, if you get it right, the rewards is, you know, second to none. Mm. Well, I agree with Tom. And I think that was very well said. And we've never had someone make a debut talk so much sense than one that <laughs> 
It's uh, interesting. But no, you're right. But I, 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 I'm with Tom. I think it's a great job. And I want a, someone to come in who's going to just be so enthusiastic to do it that he, he, he makes everyone smile and puts smiles on faces again because, by God, we need them. Um, and um, good luck to whoever it is. And I'll back whoever it is. Even if I didn't want them, I'll back them because I'm so desperate for something to go right. I'm sick to death of... Um, 23 defeats in one season is a is a horrible, horrible experience and I don't want to go through that again. 11 home defeats. Shocking, shocking. Right, Chris, ours end and Sheffield Wednesday at the same time. We have one more game left. It's not completely... Oh, yeah. Um, no, just to reiterate what I said earlier, I was in New York last week um, and <clears throat> my good lady uh, surprisingly said I could stay an extra day. So um, I used the extra day... To go and watch QPR in a pub. <laughs> you are crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, silly boy. It was pouring the rain. Um, but there's this pub called Legends in, in, in New York, it's like Fifth Avenue somewhere. And, and in the basement, there's a, this, this place called the Football Factory, which is like sectioned off by flags. So you've got a, middles, a giant Middlesbrough flag, a QPR flag, a Leeds flag, and everyone brings their laptops in and streams it onto the screen. So it's a, it's a brilliant place. Um, so anyway, I, I, first of all, I accidentally stepped into the Middlesbrough place and was, was, was shooed away quickly. Uh, and then got to meet the QPR lads, the QPR New York lads. So uh, Dunstan and Tom particularly, who looked after me. Um, and I, I, it, the classic only meant to stay for a couple of beers. Um, and every time I went out, it was rain was even heavier. So they dragged me back in again. And um, I could just imagine them having to drag you in. <laughs> oh, I was it like, how far did you get to the door? Not very. But if you're ever in in, in New York in, during the season, then go and go and look well, it I, up because it's, it's a great place. I'm desperate to do it next season. Come hell or high water, I'm yeah. going to be out there. Yeah. Part of my 50th celebrations. I can't believe I'm bloody 50. I'm old. Anyway, will I see QPR win the I FA Cup? I am actually older than you. I was joking. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, right, Ian. My in, right? Um, Warren Farm. Mm. Please, 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 can someone from the club tell us what's going on at Warren Farm? It's happening. I'm reading stuff in the Standard. I'm reading stuff that on various message boards that council leaflets that have been posted through doors by Ealing Council informing them of what's happening. We love to... F- Talk up our own on that. This is the biggest infrastructural development we've had probably since Loftus Road put the plastic pitch down. And there's nothing from the club. Please tell us what's going on. Give us something to cling on to. And we've got, that's good news. If you haven't heard it from Dave Mack, it's not true. Unless he's taking the mickey out of me. Tom? Uh, so my hour's end is, uh, is, is on a bit of transparency. We, uh, we, we touched on it earlier uh, from the club and, and similar to what Ian's just said. Um, I am really impressed with the uh, Andy Holt, the owner of, uh, of Accrington Stanley. I don't know if you follow him on social media, but Accrington Stanley have had a few years of success, obviously staying up this year in League One and f- finishing mid-table in a very competitive league down the bottom. has been nothing short of amazing. He, has, he makes sure to, um, to tweet a, a table of all the income and outgoings each match day just to give the fans a real kind of sense of this is the situation. He's very vocal about FFP and about other finances, and, and you know that, that that's maybe perhaps he goes a bit too far. But that level of transparency is is really hard to to then complain about as a fan. Mm. I understand why Queens Park Rangers and other Championship clubs can't do it. If you're transparent in your finances, not that QPRs are hidden and our situation is hidden, but it automatically will drag down the transfer value. Let's say of Luke Freeman, because let's say we're desperate for six million quid, then they will offer you three as opposed to six because they know you're desperate for it. So I understand why you can't be completely transparent and clear but that kind of connection that I see on Twitter not only with um, 
the Accrington fans who obviously love him, they're, they're going through um, a very successful period for them, which which will inevitably lead you to love the owner. But you, you can't really complain. And I feel that at QPR for a long time, whether it's the training ground, the stadium, players, managers, all the goings on behind the club, it's very, I mean, myself work in PR, so I can, I can see it. I, I know what, what's sort of going on, but even at times I've bought into it. And I bought into the dream when we signed all those players. I bought into the dream of the new stadium. I bought into the dream of the new training ground and that we we're going to be a top eight club by now. Um, but that, that, that level of that transparency, just to give that connection back. And I feel that, um, to be fair to QPR this year, what they're doing in the community is fantastic. What we've done in the last 18 months and look to continue to do is brilliant. And uh, I would just like to see a little bit more honesty. And, and, and certainly if we are, fingers crossed, uh, won't be a League One club in the near future, a model like Accrington are doing, and I wish best of luck to them. And, um, it's great. And I think if, uh, if there was a second club that I could have in the Football League, it would be them. Oh, well said, mate. Do you, do you know David Fraser, by the way, if you're in PR? <laughs> I don't actually, but okay, yeah. Just wondered. If he's hiring. Jesus. <laughs> you went there. I was thinking it. You've done your... Well, my eyes are just very, very quick, which is a surprise. Oh, no <laughs> chance. I don't care about Tottenham. Um, right. Sorry, Neil. Of course I do. Raise his eyes to the season. Um, I'd like to first go on record, if anyone's listening... I think the club need to rethink and act on the early bird. I think they need to extend it massively. I think they need to give people a break. People are tired. People are fed up. It's not the time to make a decision about next season. Now It's too raw. It's too soon. Extend it. Give people a chance to breathe. Give people a chance to come back. Because the difference in price is huge. It's not just 10 or 15 quid anymore. This is a massive price difference. So please, 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 QPR, think about the bigger scheming all this of keeping bombs and seats extend it to the end of June give everyone a chance to come back give everyone a chance to, to just recharge rethink regalvanize. that's all I ask for that one the second part of my R's end is very simple if you live in Dublin if you live in Auckland if you live in Brisbane I don't care New York whatever thank you so much for listening to this podcast because you guys keep us going People like Stephen Moe, the night they paid for the beers, everything else, you know, I so much appreciate it. We don't get paid for this. We don't get anything at all. We don't deserve anything because we're reasonably shade. Um, but <laughs> I would just like to say thank you, thank you, thank you, because without you, we would not have a podcast. And anyone that comes next week on Wednesday at the Roundhouse, thank you again, because your support is much needed. And you're the face of the football club. It's never the board. It's never the chairman. It's never the vice chairman. The fans run this club. The fans own this club. And it will be the fans that will always take this club forward. So see you all next Wednesday. See you all next season. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And thank you guys for coming in tonight. Really appreciate it. Oh, predictions. I knew you were coming to that. And I forgot because you're rushing me. Do we really care? No. Okay. Thank you for listening to Open All Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> see you all again. Cheerio. You be on, you be on, this one right there.